This is Wyman and Bob on Seattle Sports, powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Streaming live on the Seattle Sports app and at seattlesports.com. Now, here are your hosts, Dave Wyman and Bob Stelton. It is Wyman and Bob, Seattle Sports on 710, and a pleasure to speak to this man who uh, was was one of those guys that always seemed to come up with the big catch. Just always seemed to be that guy who was open when you needed him most. And he's with us now on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline. He is Easy Ed McCaffrey. How are you, man? I am doing great. What's up, fellas? And thank you for having me on the show. Well, it's it's great to talk to you. Dave has uh, nothing but glowing remarks about you anytime your name comes up or we talk about Christian or whatever. But uh, so it's it's good to have you out here and a lot lot we can cover with you but i would imagine uh you you spend your days now keeping an eye on what christian's doing out there in the league and the accolades coming his way and the super bowl i mean what, what's this been like to watch him do what he's been able to do at the, at the nfl level oh yeah well first off dave is a rock star in my book i know most of your <laughs> listeners don't know that but he was a fifth year senior when i was a freshman and that dude just lives lives he occupies some of my brain space as a rock star in my life as a football player and a person. So people don't know that, but he, he's always been that, that person to me. So <laughs> I'll send you a check at you and always uh, glad to speak with Dave. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah, you know, I got my heart ripped out, man. I, I got my heart ripped out me personally, not even Christian. I know he did. Yeah. Um, Cause it was such a magical season for the 49ers and he absolutely loves his team. He loves his teammates, his coaches, you know, he's down the road from the farm Stanford where he, played college ball and has so many friends out there and uh, man, it was just such a magical season. So many ups and downs. And then you, you know, work so hard. Some people never get that opportunity to get to a super bowl. So when you get there, you want to win it and you want to play your best. And um, you know, unfortunately the 49ers didn't play their best game and, and they, they missed out on the opportunity to win a super bowl, but it was still a magical season. And, Look, he's already turned the page. I think you drown yourself in your sorrows for like a week. You never, ever forget about it because, you know, you're too smart to do that. But you learn from it. You turn the page and you set your sights on next year. Zero, zero. Got to start the whole thing over again, which seems daunting in the beginning. But then you wake up, you know, you have your protein shake, your eggs, your oatmeal, your cup of joe. You go and get that first cardio workout in. Then you take a couple hours off, recover. Then you go get your lift in and slowly but surely you know the pain goes away from the previous season and you start seeing gains and then you watch some film and then before you know it you're playing again and so uh so it was a magical season as a parent you know so happy for him and all that he was able to do so happy for the team and all they were able to do and but you you know you always walk away right after that game just so sad yeah. <laughs> and depressed and you're like and uh but you know dave knows everyone knows it's played any kind of a sport you just you know you point the finger at yourself and you figure what the heck can i do to get better to give us uh, the same chance next year and hopefully you know we'll take advantage of it well ed like bob said we've been we've talked about christian a lot obviously because he's in the division but uh, but for him you know he had um a slate of injuries with with carolina and um, and then, you know, he, he gets to, to San Francisco. He's been able to, to stay healthy. He's just had last year in the NFC championship game that that touchdown he had where he broke three tackles. That was like the best run I've seen 
from a running back ever. And it just he just is such a, a different player. Is there something that he's doing different now to uh to train or you know, how was he able to to stay so healthy and play so hard? Well, um he's he's committed his life to football. I mean his whole entire life and you'd say, well, doesn't everybody? I'm like, no, not everyone does. I mean, you hear, you hear people like, you know, Tom Brady and TB 12 and like the whole team of people he has around. I'm like, Christian has a routine. He, every single day, if he's not practicing or lifting, he's, you know, doing stuff to recover. And he takes everything very, very, very seriously because he loves it. It's like his passion, like everything and anything he can do. Sometimes he might get carried away and I'm like, Hey, I don't know if all this is necessary, but um, I, I love, your commitment. Like if he thinks something will help him become a better football player, he's going to do it. Whether it's, you know, watching film with his running back coach late at night or after practice, or whether it's getting up to see a, you know, um, MAT specialist or somebody that can help keep his body right. I mean, he takes it seriously. And, you know, every game after games, um, we use the NASCAR reference a little bit. It's like when you, when a NASCAR car races in a race, there's like a 27-point checkup after the race. Like that car won't get on the track again until all the experts have gone through it. And he kind of does that with his body. It's like, okay, just had 30 touches. Uh, next day, bring my people in, whether he's hurting or not. Hey, let's just check, get a whole body checkup, make sure everything's good to go. You know, has a strict diet and just really takes care of himself. But, you know, the injuries in Carolina, a lot of that's just really bad luck. You know, it really is. Dave, you've had injuries. You know how it is. It's like sometimes there's nothing you could do, yeah. right? Like Vita Vea fell on his ankle one time when he was running, right? Picture that guy running full speed and falling on your ankle. What are you going to do? Right. Like it is, it is what it is, man. We've got a 350-pound guy, uh, Pro Bowl nose tackle, just hitting you in your ankle. So, you know, it's going to happen. So you play the game long enough. Yeah, you get hit enough, you know, eventually some of the hits hurt a little more than others. And then the key is to recover and get back on the field as quickly as possible. But he does everything in his power to be ready to go um, on game day. And he just he absolutely I think he loves the process, which is why he loves the game so much. What what do you think of uh, I mean, you're a guy that won a couple of Super Bowls in 97, 98 with the Broncos. And it's amazing how much it changes just from year to year, much less decade to decade in just terms of the the size the attention the amount of media the amount of just circus atmosphere there what do you how, how do you compare back when you were in the super bowl versus what you saw this year well you know so the world has changed right i mean i remember waiting at stanford i think steve jobs might have uh, taught one of my computer programming classes that's how long ago that was right <laughs> i remember waiting in the computer queue to get on for 30 minutes to type a paper on the, you know, the, you know, machine, computer they had there, which was like one of the original Apple computers. There, there's no cell phones. There's no social media. Um, you know, fantasy football was still played with a newspaper and a pencil and an eraser. So like the world <laughs> has changed, but g even though it, I mean, film, film meant film, right? Like a projector film and tape meant you had to cut the film and tape it together with actual tape to make your cut up. So, I mean, that's, I'm old enough to remember those days. Um, I remember Jack Elway, you know, just <laughs> your eyes burning a little bit from the room. It's dark. You got the projector clicking sound going and watching film drop onto the floor. I mean, now they have iPads to give them on the plane. They've watched the game by the time they got home, right mm -hmm. on an away trip. It's just the technology is unreal, but you know, you still win with incredible athletes. You still win with tough athletes that are willing to pay the price to be great. 
And a lot of the schemes are very similar, even though some of it's different. Like uh, if you talk about the late 90s, that's different than when I was in school in the 80s. But, you know, the outside zone principles, the inside zone principles, um, you know, having a balanced attack of run and pass, a lot of the routes are the same. Things that have changed are, you know, they, there's a lot more reduced splits now with receivers. There's a lot more uh, motions and shifts that go on that put the defensive players in conflict. You know, Dave is a linebacker can speak to that when you got tight ends moving and shifting and running backs moving and shifting with the 49ers, you know, you got Debo and Christian that could go in and out of the backfield. It just, you got to really mind your P's and Q's and your adjustments. You don't lose your gap responsibility or, you know, have a miscue in coverage. So there's different stuff like that that goes on in terms of the chess match that is being played, but really it's a bunch of one-on-one battles. So once you know what you're doing, it's mono mono most of the time, sometimes, you know, get double teams or, you know, up front and on the line. Um, but but guys got to win those battles. And, and the teams that are best coached and best prepared with the best athletes win most of those battles and win most of their games. Hey, so, Ed, we heard from you and your wife, Lisa, who Shannon still talks about and loves. But uh, <laughs> you guys were, uh, were going to the, the Super Bowl. Tell us about that experience because there was something about possibly being in a suite – it was fairly expensive. Uh, tell us, take us through that whole thing. Did you end yeah, up well, sitting in the Shannon, suite? Say, if Lisa was here, she'd say hello. Tell, tell yeah, Shannon we say hi. Definitely will. Um, well, here's the deal. Uh, if you, you know, when you go to a Super Bowl, the 49ers, by the way, do such a phenomenal job of taking care of their players and their families. So, like, I was blessed to play on a, a team that went to the Super Bowl back in 1994. They gave us a bunch of tickets. And they deduct it out of your paycheck. But they give you all these tickets that you have access to. Otherwise, you wouldn't have access to any. So, you know, I was blessed. I went to three Super Bowls, gave away all my tickets to family. Uh, Mostly family takes it all up if you have a big family. And so that's usually where they sit. Um, But they've given, you know, over the years, they give less and less of these tickets away. But, But, you know, Christian got his tickets. He asked for the maximum number of tickets. He gave us all of his tickets. Um, This was the Tuesday before they left for the Super Bowl. So two weeks out, he gets his tickets and he says, here's all my tickets to Lisa and Olivia. He's like, you can have all of them. Just whoever you want to sit there, you know, take care of our family, try to get us everyone sitting together. And so not everyone was sitting together with these tickets, but we did have 15 tickets. It's a lot of tickets. So, um, you know, that's five grand a ticket times 15. You do the math. So that's Christian's like, you can have all of them, do whatever you want with them. But He's like, after today, like if you guys change up who's going or you want different tickets or different seats, he's like, you guys figure it out because after today, I'm out of the ticket business. And, I, and I'm and i so proud of him for doing that because I told him, and Dave, you may have heard these comments, like don't get in the ticket business. Like it, it's it's like so much work, and he's, he's concentrating on getting ready for a game. So he's like, after today, I'm out of the ticket business. So then we wanted to get everyone sitting together. So then the phone calls start happening. We're finagling to try to get everyone sitting together. And then I'm a snob. I will admit it. I'm a completely a football snob. Like I called games for five years. You guys sit in the booth, you see the game. I'm like, I don't, you know, I'm not going to sit in the corner of the end zone, like to watch the Super Bowl. I got to have a good seat because I'm watching this game for real. Um, And so we're, you know, then we negotiate for better seats. Olivia did a great job of calling a couple different people that she knows to try to get us better seats. And after, Lots of phone calls and everything else. Um, we got everyone sitting together. And by the way, Christian also said, look, if you don't like these seats and you want better ones, 
here's my credit card, do whatever you want, but I'm out of it. And so Olivia did thankfully secure the right seats for us. Um, and we all got to sit together and we were having fun right up until the Chiefs scored in overtime. It was, it was a blast. Um, but we all did sit together and we all had fun and, and, uh, and I was glad Christian didn't have to worry about it because early in my career, I worried too much about that. And it does become a distraction if you're, if you get in the ticket business, but all, you know, no harm, no foul, except for the game and the way it ended. Um, we all had a blast. Hey, Ed, what, what are your impressions of Brock Purdy? He's such a fascinating story. The, you know, Mr. Irrelevant final pick of the draft. Nobody expects anything of him other than to hopefully make a roster one day. And here he is the starting quarterback in a Super Bowl. Yet it just seems like there's a, there's an element of the fan base out there that is waiting for him to not play well. So they can go see, He's not that good. It's a weird thing. Some celebrate it because it's such a great story. Others are just waiting for the moment they can they can be justified in their opinion of him. What, what's your takeaway when you when you watch Brock Purdy? He's incredible. He's a great quarterback and he's a leader. And nothing nothing gets him rattled. You know, he I say he probably only had one or two off games the whole entire season. Other than that, he was spot on and made incredible decisions. And, you know, I always, I always kind of get a chuckle out of people that are subjective critics. It's like the numbers mean something until it doesn't back up your argument. And then the numbers don't mean anything anymore. <laughs> and now it's other things. And we see that all the time, right? It's, it's like, well, no, he led the league in this. And led the, it's very convenient. I'm like, look, man, he led the NFL in like four or five categories. He set the 49ers. They, they do have guys like Joe Montana and Steve Young. So I don't care if we pass more in today's game or not. Like, and, and I'm not comparing, I would never compare like a quarterback to hall of famers. I'm just saying like his numbers were really good. And if you watched him play, he made some incredible throws. He was a great leader. He was unflappable. And I don't know what all the hubbub is about. I think that sometimes if you're not a high draft pick, I think people are just waiting for you to fail. Like if he was the first pick of the draft and played that way, people would say, yes, that made sense. He played like the first pick of the draft. We, we support him. Look, we, that's why he was the first pick of the draft. When you're Mr. Irrelevant, they're thinking it's luck. Like, it, you know, you always have to prove people right. And so, look, at this point, after last year getting to the championship and then redeeming himself week 13 and beating Philadelphia when he didn't get hurt four plays into the game and then getting his team to the Super Bowl and playing pretty well in the Super Bowl, um, you know, he, he advanced a lot further than a lot of other quarterbacks who were – you know, MVPs and up for MVP and had great seasons who have been considered the best quarterbacks in the league. So in my opinion, I like to just kind of look at the facts more than just forming these subjective opinions and the facts and the data um, say that he's an elite quarterback in the NFL and he had elite play this year and he's got his team to the Super Bowl and played well in it. Hey, uh, so tell us about your your youngest son. I was watching the Senior Bowl, and he was, uh, and I know that's very important to have a good performance. And they were highlighting him. Tell us about Luke McCaffrey. Yeah, Luke's our youngest. He's the fourth boy, and uh, he had a great year at Rice. Just had an absolute blast playing with those guys down there. He still had a year of eligibility left, but wanted to wanted to take a shot at the NFL. So. He was blessed to get invited to the Senior Bowl. I thought he had a really good showing there. Um, he's only played receiver for a little over a year. He was a quarterback growing up his whole life and then played quarterback at first Nebraska and then at Rice. And then finally, he's you guys know kids like this. He just wants to be on the field. So he was on again, off again starter. And finally, he just went up to Coach Bloomgren, who coached Christian at Stanford, who's the head coach at Rice, done a great job down there at Rice. 
he finally went up to him and said, Hey, look, uh, I just want to, I want to be on the field, put me anywhere, running back quarterback. I don't care. I just want to, I can't take sitting on the sidelines anymore. That's, that's just his personality. So when I first heard they switched the receiver, I was, I was kind of bummed because I thought he was going to be bummed. I'm like, Hey, did the coaches make you switch to receiver? I was like, no, I asked him to, I'm like, really? He's like, yeah, I do. I, do, I got to play. Like I, I can't be on the sideline anymore. I got to be on the field. So if he's happy, I'm happy. So as a dad, I'm just, I'm great. Like as long as you're happy, I don't, you know, I just care about how you feel about it. And um, he just embraced it and he's gotten better and better and better. He's a really good athlete and uh, still working at becoming a masterful route runner. I don't think he's come close to hitting his ceiling at all. I think we'll get better and better. And uh, he's excited. He's got a great attitude. So I mean, when your kid's got a great attitude, you know, makes me happy. Like I don't got to worry about him. He's having fun doing what he's doing and, He'll get drafted by somebody. Um, I, you know, you know how you just want him to go to the right team, right? I don't care where he gets drafted. I just, I want him to be in the right situation. Hopefully, he's got some really good people in the receiver room, and he's got an opportunity there with a, a team with good coaches and and good teammates. So that's that's my hope for him. But he's out at the combine now. He left today, and he'll get you know another chance to kind of show what he can do, like everybody else. Hey Ed, do you uh, do you ever look at the way the game is called today and sort of daydream about what you would have been able to do with the way it's called? I mean, it's uh, you know the quarterbacks can't be touched, they can't be you can't breathe on them. Uh, receivers uh, they're not nearly as physical with receivers off the line as they were back when you were playing. Do you, do you, do you like it? Do you feel like man, if I were playing today, I would I would come up with uh, eighteen hundred yards receiving or something like that? How do you how do you yeah. size up what you see today versus when you were playing? Oh, I, I love the game and I'm all for player safety. I have kids that play, right? So when you have kids that play, it, I, trust me, you're all for player safety. So anything we can do to make the game safer, I'm all for it. Um, but I look, I look at it like a coach. Like I, I think of what I would call on every play of every game that I watch. I'm like, oh, I would have done this or I would have done that. And nobody's going to do the exact same thing all the time. I definitely appreciate when a coach has a good play call um, in a crucial situation. I really respect and appreciate it because I've been a play caller and I know – it's not easy to be right all the time. So I, I appreciate the chess match that goes on out there. I always think of what I would have done in every situation. And then the game has completely changed. That's why every now and again you'll hear someone comparing a quarterback that played in the 70s or 80s or even 90s or even early 2000s to now. I'm like, you can't even make that comparison. Like I remember seeing quarterbacks getting picked up and body slammed on their head with no flag thrown. And now, yeah, it's true. Sometimes you barely touch the guy and they, they throw a flag, but I remind defensive players because I know that so many of my friends that play defense and I play defense up through, you know, high school. Uh, so I kind of know a little bit about it was what it's like to be on that side of the ball. But I remind them like, there's a lot of rules since the beginning of time that like try to keep defensive players safe too, right? There's no chop blocks. Heck when I played for the Broncos, you're still allowed to cut the back of the legs of the D lineman. Uh, when you're doing outside zone, you can't do that anymore. Um, you can't block from outside in. There's a, there, no no peel back block. So they're they're trying to keep guys safe on both sides of the ball. And I bet you, if I didn't have kids that played, I would be a little more old school and talk yeah. about how soft the game's getting. But being <laughs> that I have kids that play, I'm like I want them to play as long as possible. You know, every time I got hit, it was helmet to helmet. Like I, I, I like look look at John Lynch. One of my old teammates, he was a quarterback at Stanford when I played there. Yeah. Every time I played against him, he's launching with his head. Brian Dawkins, like all these guys, it wasn't illegal then. So why wouldn't you do it, right? But every hit was like helmet to helmet. Guys were getting dinged all over the place. I mean, you, we played with concussions, right? I mean, we pl I played. I didn't even know where I was in multiple games. 
with a concussion. You never got taken out. There were no tents on the sideline, but that's not necessarily a good thing. Was it more barbaric? Absolutely. But uh, <laughs> like I said, I, I got kids to play now, so I'm all for player safety. Well, he's one of the greats. Easy Ed McCaffrey has been our guest here with Wyman and Bob, Seattle Sports on 710. Real pleasure to speak with you, Ed. Really, really cool of you to cut out some time for us. And I know, uh, Dave, I appreciate it, and Dave certainly appreciates it because, as I said, anytime your name comes up, it's nothing but glowing remarks about Ed McCaffrey. Well, I appreciate you guys. Thanks again for having me on the show. Thanks, Ed. There you go, Ed McCaffrey. Good to catch up with him. How long's it? Uh, how long's it been since you've spoken with him? Uh, I mean, prior to setting this whole me, thing up. Yeah, he had me on his radio show a couple of years ago. But, uh, yeah, I've just always kept in touch with him. Good guy in my last year. And uh, he came from the Giants. I think he was drafted by the Giants. And then – Didn't he spend a minute with the 49ers? He probably I thought he was did. there for a hot second. Yeah, and he's got could a be wrong about connection that. With, uh, with Shanahan. If only I had a way to look it up. Yeah. <laughs> no, but he was he was in Denver when Kyle Shanahan was a ball boy for us and you know obviously played for for Mike Shanahan. So I saw some special last year where it was Ed and his wife Lisa who she was like a I think her dad was like an Olympic soccer player or maybe it was track. I I might be off on that, but and then she was a really good athlete. She was a soccer player at Stanford. Mm. So yeah, they got somebody was asking, they got four boys that have all played college football and it looks like there's going to be a third McCaffrey to uh to make it into the NFL because yeah, out uh, at the combine this kid week from Rice yeah yeah so 3 years first 3 years 91 92 92 93 with the Giants 94 with the 49ers okay. and then from 95 through 2003 with the Broncos yeah and i think um Mike Shanahan brought him from San Francisco i believe I think he was uh, he coached him there. So, yeah, he's uh, that's pretty pretty amazing. I, I get it. You know what he was saying about protecting the players. I mean, if you got four sons, you you that all play football, you're probably going to start to think that way a little bit more. Yeah, you're not as uh, you're not as reckless with their well being as you are with your own. Yeah. So yeah, yeah I, get, I get it. I get it. Our thanks to Ed McCaffrey. If you guys tuned in in the middle of that or missed it, it will be on the podcast page after the show at Seattle Sports. Com. Coming up, which Mariner needs to take the biggest step forward this season? We'll get into that next with Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports on 710. Wyman and Bob. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. Thanks once again to Ed McCaffrey, who joined us in the previous segment. In case you guys are just tuning in, you can find that conversation on the podcast page at seattlesports.com. After the show, just click the podcast tab and scroll down to our picture. Click on that, and it's right there waiting for you after the show each and every night. Click subscribe. That's the key to everything. It just makes everybody's life easier. It just shows up for you. You never have to think about it again. Meanwhile, we talked about this uh, earlier in the show, just kind of throwing it out there. We were talking about the, you know, the improved look of Ty France. He just looks to be in a different kind of condition. And we talked about the impact he could have if he gets back to hitting the way that he has in the past. And we put the question out there and you guys can text in on this 866-979-3776 powered by Mac and Jack's Brewing Company. Which Mariner, in your opinion, outside of Julio, Julio is the obvious, but which one needs to have the biggest, uh, take the biggest step forward? Who would you pick? If you could pick one guy to say he, he, he takes a step that, 
maybe somebody didn't anticipate from last year. It's sort of like sort of like JP did last year. I think yeah. he hit the ball harder, showed much more power than any of us realistically expected for him. Who would you who would you want to see do that this year outside of Julio? Boy, there's lots of choices, right? I mean, yeah. it could be Mitch Haniger. You know, does he stay healthy? I mean, mine is Ty France, and I, and I guess you know, step forward compared to last year. And it's not like it was terrible last year, right? I just mean, wasn't up to the standard he set. Yeah. So if he if he hits up to you know what what he hit um, the the All Star season two seventy five. Um, you know, and he had, what did he have? 83 RBIs, 20 home runs. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, I'll, I'll take that. And I think that, I don't know. I I think you just are able to rely on Ty France, but there's, there could be lots of questions, you know, I mean, uh, different answers here as far as, you know, is it Mitch Hanniger? Is it whoever plays third base who, you know, or <laughs> yeah, you know, I'd love to have one of those guys have a huge year. Yeah. And, and maybe even JP. You know, that he stays, and it's not so much that that question of, you know, compared to last year, because he had his best year. It's just that, you know, is he able to sustain that, you know, continue on and, uh, you know, any hit for power uh, last year. So that was uh, that was something that was new for him. But, yeah, I'm going to go with Ty France. Yeah, I just think I he, he goes such a long way. And, again, depending on where they're going to put him in the order. You know, he was generally up in that, that upper part of the, the order when he was rolling. We'll see what they do this year. JP obviously sets the tone. He's going to have more at-bats per game than anybody else as a leadoff hitter. So if he can get on base and, and increase what he did even on last year's uh, numbers in terms of getting on base and some of the power he showed, that just makes life easier for, for Julio. And and the only thing missing from his game is he's not a stolen base threat. He, he, he takes one of the shortest leads of anybody on this team. If you watch JP, I almost laugh when they throw over to first base like, <laughs> like we're keeping him close. I'm like he's already close. He, yeah, does, he doesn't stray far off the base. He's not a stolen base threat. I've heard people say, you know, that he's a speedster, and I'm like, no, mm, he's not really. I mean, mm-hmm. it looks like he's running fast. But, yeah, he's he's, he's not, not a speedster. Yeah, uh, but you know, Mitch Mitch was a guy that a lot of people answered. Uh, we we asked this earlier in the show, and he he's a guy that certainly we've seen what he can do when he's healthy and when he's. You know, there he's had two seasons where he's gone over 100 games, 157 in each of those seasons. And uh, in both seasons, he, he was very productive. 39 home runs, 100 runs driven in the second time he did it. So he was on with Brock and Salk this morning, and he just talked about the benefit of having that that lineup depth. It's great. I just think there's there's one guy shouldn't, you know, feel like he has to carry the whole team. And I remember a lot of times in 21, it was like, all right, we better we better score with one through four, one through five, or else we don't really have a shot. And like I said earlier, thank God we pitched really well, and we won't, we we've always been good at winning one one game, so uh, we were able to win a lot that way. But um, it's going to be a little easier not having to rely on our pitchers so much, and um, not having to rely on the guys just hitting the top or the middle of the order. I think the bottom of the order can produce well too. Yeah, it takes, you know, for somebody like him who's going to be hitting in the upper part of the order and Julio and JP and those guys, it does take some of the pressure off, certainly not feeling like, well, we better come through because we know what happens at the bottom of the order. Nothing, mm-hmm. you know, so it, it's you just can't you can't have as many dead spots as they've had. You know, well, again, going back to last year, having their DH hitting in the eight spot and the nine spot. I mean, come on, man. You can't have that. <laughs> that's that's a bad sign. You're de- this is yeah. our designated hitter today. Today it's Haggerty. Tomorrow it's Dylan Moore. The yeah. next day it's uh, you know Josh McGeggy out there. It's it's not a good recipe. 
Hey, do we get the proper spelling on Schmagagi? I don't know that there is one, Dave. I don't okay. know what the I don't know what the proper spelling is, and maybe text it in eight six six nine seven nine three seven seven six. We saw a few attempts. Mac and Jack's text line. Yeah, yeah. We, well, saw. we saw. What's funny is I think Lefko took a shot at them at the listeners when we were talking about that. So they started taking shots at Lefko instead of they were. Yeah, I can spell Schmagagi, and then they'd write Lefko, and then they'd misspell his name. And Mike told me during the break, um, keep them coming. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Shmagegi is a word. There is technically a spelling. What, what does a, it mean? It's a Yiddish word. Is so it? So just, I don't know what it technically means, but yeah. Ask Taylor. He knows everything. It means putts. Uh, an unadmirable, petty person. Unadmirable. Mm. Joe Shmagegi is yeah. a petty person. <laughs> yeah. Poor Joe. Another definition has it as baloney, hot air, or nonsense. Shmagegi. So he'd be like a Joe full of nonsense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Petty, full of nonsense. It's not a compliment, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> to me, it's just Joe random guy. Just uh, whatever. Since my freshman year at Stanford, and I can't say this on air, but my fake name has always been male body part McGee. <laughs> uh, that, I don't know why. That so just, just kind of said it. We had we had a linebacker that, uh, that he used to call people that, and actually one guy got branded that. But uh, mm-hmm. getting back to uh, the baseball world, the DH, they haven't had a solid DH in a long time. And Not I mean, since Nelson Cruz. Yeah. So, I mean, that you were just talking about it. But, you know, I I feel like that that one position, whoever that ends up being, probably Garver. Yeah. Um, That's the hope. That That's could, the idea. That could be the most important. I don't know about taking a step forward. I mean, it wouldn't be difficult to, to say that the DH is, I mean, in, that's not much of an ask. Right to, to improve on the, what the they DH had last year. Improve in yeah, and over the last couple of years. Yeah, so. we're we're setting the bar low there. Yeah, setting the bar low there. It's sort of like uh, the uh, kick returners for the Seahawks for a number of years, where it just became just catch the ball. Yeah, just don't fumble the ball. We're not just <laughs> fair catch. Hang on to it. We'll go from there. Mm-hmm. You know that that almost felt like the DH. Just you know maybe you can. Maybe you can walk, work a walk. Maybe you get a you get a hold of one and you wrap a single. Whatever. It just the expectations were so low. But Garver is the guy that I think they they pin those hopes on that he can be that guy, be healthy. Scott Service talking with Brock and Salk uh, gives his initial impression of Garver. They're very professional, as you would expect. They've been in the league for a while and they've had success in the league, so they have routines. They have some things they believe very strongly in. Uh, I think with Mitch Garver, um, he's been very open. He likes talking, hitting in the game, and the fact that he's a catcher, he's involved with our guys there and what's going on. So Garver's got he's got opinions on a lot of different things, which is very welcome. Love it. He's got opinions, Dave. Yeah, he's bringing opinions. And then the other new guy in the lineup, uh, Polanco, uh, he gives a few thoughts on, on what he's seen from him so far. Uh, Polo, you know, that's the nickname for Polanco. Uh, I think people get used to that. But Polo is much more reserved as advertised. Um, you know, uh, talking to the people in Minnesota, um, you know, Nelson Cruz played with him a couple years. Uh, again, very professional. Um, and again, I can't even imagine what it's like. He was with one organization for 14 years. Yep. Now he's got to flip, put a different jersey on. Yep. And it takes a while. And I told him that day one, now be you. You know, settle in. He's pay- he doesn't miss anything in a morning meeting. He's paying attention to his teammates. I'm getting him engaged more in that. So eventually that's going to come out. He's a really good player. Mm-hmm. Polo, Dave. Polo. Polo, I like it. I like how Scott gives us, seems like every year he gives us the... Uh, the nicknames. Well, Garves. Yeah, that's Garves and Polo. Garves. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. Is there two of them? Garves. Garves? Yeah. That's Garver. And the, yeah, more than one one Garver. No. 
No, just him. Just him. Both these guys can be so huge for this lineup if they can stay healthy. Stay healthy. All right, coming up, Sean Payton had some interesting thoughts on Russell Wilson. We're going to hear about that when we sweep the dial. Coming up with Wyman and Bob, this is Seattle Sports on 710. Scanning the airwaves for the most interesting and entertaining stories of the day. Sweeping the dial. Every afternoon at 445 with Wyman and Bob. Well, we know a handful of coaches uh, aren't at the Combine, but there are still a lot that attend. So Sean Payton was talking to the media today, and of course he was asked about Russell Wilson, and he kind of broke down when they expect to have a decision on their quarterback. I expect that we're going to know fairly quickly. I said it's the Super Bowl, but I think more specifically, I think you know, somewhere in the neighborhood next week, we're, we're going to... There's a couple factors here. You know, obviously the cap projections came out. We're further down the road with the draft class. Obviously the pro-free agents. I would anticipate it being, uh, you know, within the next two weeks. The question was finding the right solution to quarterback in, uh, in in this league, which is obviously very competitive in our division. I think it's vital. I saw this, like, humorous meme the other day where there was a Bronco fan with a shirt on, and there was, like, eight quarterbacks' names with a cross through it, you know, and, and he's drinking the quarterback Kool-Aid, and I you know, our, our job is to make sure that this next one, you know, doesn't have a line through it. Wow. Well, he's, he's not making the case that Wilson's our guy. What are we talking about here? He's under contract. This is our guy. He's yeah. He's, <laughs> like he's making it very clear that at least that's how I read it. It's not him. Yeah. I'd, we got to make sure this next one is doesn't have a line through it. Well, I'm I'm one to talk, but he didn't describe that T-shirt very well. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I will tell a story and leave out a major detail. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, I, I, my thoughts about Sean Payton have entirely changed. And yeah, I'm with it, you. It's not like I was so protective of Russ. Um, you know, not, I don't think he necessarily deserved it. Probably a lot of people in Seattle do. Um, the way he left was, I, I can understand why some people <laughs> would be okay with it. But, yeah, Sean Payton, I, I don't, I don't get him doing that and really it was if he yelled at any player like that i thought it would it's ridiculous but um yeah this is going to be an interesting little saga to watch russell wilson and just see because he was so good here and just to see you know where if he gets in the right situation and you know i thought it went a really long ways that russ flied up flew up here to for pete's retirement little Mm -hmm. get together so um we'll, we'll see how that relationship develops but um yeah, that's didn't that sound like he's a tough one. He's not part of the equation there. I mean, he's talking like we got a vacancy and we got to make sure this next guy yeah. is not a guy with a line through his name. Well, I'll tell you what, people were you know maybe freaking out a little bit about Gino and that John didn't wasn't gushing and glowing <laughs> over Gino. This is like the uh, the exact opposite. I mean, <laughs> in comparison, he was gushing. Yeah. Sweeping the dial. The Bears are obviously getting a lot of interest. They traded the number one overall pick last year. So today, Bears GM Ryan Poles was asked, hey, what would it take for you to trade that pick again? Yeah, it's hard to say right now. Um, but it's it's got to help our organization significantly to, to move around because we saw what it did last year. Um, and I'm looking for that type of return to continue to improve our football team. Yeah, so they have a... They have a uh, the first round pick, you know, a number one. Obviously, I was looking at a, a little list of they've got like a couple of ones. They've got a couple of twos. These next few years are going to be huge for the Bears. And the question there being, when are they going to get that franchise quarterback? When will that be? 
I don't think I don't, it's maybe it's there good. now. It doesn't Fields. feel like it. It feels like they're they're very likely to take Caleb Williams and and Justin Fields will be on the move elsewhere. They just totally ruined Caleb Williams. <laughs> Why? Just because he's a Chicago Bear. <laughs> yeah, it, it has been an uncanny uh, uh, drought when it comes to a franchise quarterback for the Chicago Bears, such a storied organization. But you go through it and you're going, well, this guy was pretty good. And well, that guy was had a couple of good years. And, you know, I think most people feel like Jim McMahon was like the best quarterback in their history. Yeah, I think technically, as far as numbers go, isn't it Mike Tomzak? That I think has had the most Kramer, success. Kramer, Eric Kramer or Maybe something. Eric I Kramer mean, has had like the best season. But yeah. I'm the other thing, you know, not so much. I don't really care about the Chicago Bear franchise, but um, Fields, I think, is very interesting to see. I just don't see, as far as quarterback, he's a he looked like you could turn him into a running back. Yeah, it's fantastic. But I'm going to be very curious to see how he develops and if he able is, is he able to become that franchise quarterback. I, just not seeing it, but it's not like I'm rooting against him. But yeah, it's been that that was a weird one. Sweeping the dial. Okay, so we've heard uh kind of a, a lot of praise for JJ McCarthy, which seems surprising at the outset, but Mel Kuyper really does not give the most resounding endorsement for what JJ McCarthy could become. We'll get to JJ down the line a little bit here. He's a tough one for me. I'm at 23 on my big board, but I think when you look at mock drafts and projecting where he'll go, I do think he's definitely going to be QB4. I will say this, Daniel Jones to me is and will be when we look back for the careers of Daniel Jones and J.J. McCarthy, Daniel Jones is going to be a better quarterback. Daniel Jones has already shown mm. he can be a winning NFL quarterback, a really good quarterback. Mm. Yeah, and he's right. All the mocks have him going higher. Uh, yeah, I've seen a number of them that have him going number 12 to the Broncos. Uh, I've seen a couple that have him going 16 to the Seahawks. So, I mean, you know, again, take those for what they're worth. It's their conversation pieces and people guessing. But, yeah, he's... Uh, I don't know. I, I try to be fair to the kid because you didn't. I I didn't watch him all year outside of the highlights. I'd watch on Sports Center the weekends and then certainly the national title game, in which you looked at it and went, yeah, it didn't really, didn't dazzle me. wasn't a great passing day. Some some timely runs, ran for thirty some yards, came at a crucial time. But I don't know. I don't I don't see it. But his he's got incredible accuracy if you look at his completion percentage for the year. But his numbers aren't jumping off the page out. Uh, at you outside of that that number what kind of jumped out to me was the mention of daniel jones and that he's gonna he's putting quite the limit on jj mccarthy saying jones is a better quarterback than him yeah depending on how you you feel about him i mean look last year he had uh he only started in six games but he was 67 and a half percent only two touchdowns through six interceptions is that bad that's not good that's not good. Uh, also, you know, he gets sacked a lot. I mean, we sacked him 11 times. I think he's getting kind of broken down. So that'll be uh, that'll be an interesting one. But, you know, maybe the Seahawks take him. Maybe he lasts till the second round. And John Schneider's like, this is a guy we really wanted. We've been targeting because he does, does this and that. And you just never know what little quirky thing. I know that people didn't love uh, Russell Wilson in that pick. Well, clearly nobody loved Brock Purdy. He's yeah. the last pick of the draft. And right. So so the idea that these guys can all be wrong on somebody is pretty realistic. Yes. Because I don't know anybody that was screaming from the rooftops going, how did somebody not pick Purdy? Last pick of the draft, and there he is in the Super Bowl. So, yeah, who knows? J.J. McCarthy could be a superstar. 
maybe he's just Joe Average. I don't I don't know what happens with him. I'd be stunned if the Seahawks took him at 16 if he were there. Yeah. But would you huh. would you give John the benefit of the doubt though? Because yes, yeah. he's I will. I, I would have more questions about that pick maybe than I would some others. But I yeah. would I'd say all right, listen, they're the ones doing the due diligence, watching every moment of his film and interviewing him and 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 conversing with the scouts and talking about what he does well and doesn't do well. So they're gonna they're gonna know infinitely more than we could ever know about any player they draft. And it's always interesting to hear what was it that you because he'll you. yeah he'll have lots of reasons yeah all right sweeping the dial is powered by seattle university men's basketball coming up there's always plenty to catch up with uh, when it comes to this guy el hombre michael bradley is going to join us next with wyman and bob this is seattle sports on 710